Last week, as we started the brand new year, we started a brand new series called Above and Beyond. And the premise of this series was to, to show you that God created you to not just live and exist, but he created you for more. And it's not got to do with how gifted or talented you are. It's not got to do with how put together or broken you are. But God created you for a greater purpose than just to exist, just to breathe. God created you for for influence. God created you to make a difference. Um, Last week we asked the question, the big question, well, why? Why should we live a life that's above and beyond? Why should we strive to live our lives more than just existing? And the answer was firstly because God created you like that. And secondly, it's because God gave you his best. And we should reciprocate that. How can we receive the best from God and give him scraps? How can we settle for a normal life when the life that we live now was paid for by the Son of God? Um, What was really interesting after last week's sermon, and generally I don't get that much feedback from sermons. Um, You know, there's an email here and there once in a while. Um, But I I received a little bit of feedback last week, especially around the, the eagle and chicken story. And I, I, I kid you not, I thought everyone knew this story. Like, it's like a preacher's dream. Like, every preacher uses this story. But so many people came up and said, you know, I've never heard the eagle and chicken story, and it was such a great story, and it changed my life, and I don't want to be a chicken anymore, I want to be an eagle. And I've even heard that there's a new West Ride eagle at our church, just flies around now, and... So just be on the lookout for him. Where's he gone? Oh, there he is. Sorry, just. Oh, there he is. There he is. Don't put him on the spot. <laughs> if last week we looked at the why of living above and beyond, then over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the what and the how. What are some of the key areas in our lives that we should be living above and beyond? And how do we do this? And tonight, we start with what I think is probably the biggest one, and it's around the topic of love. Now, I know it's not Valentine's Day. You know, I know sometimes you've got to save this one for Valentine's Day. Here's a statement that we're going to unpack today, okay? God has created us to live a life of love that loves above and beyond. The problem with the word love is that it's somewhat overused now. It's such an important word, if not one of the most important words in our vocabulary and in our dictionary. But the word love gets used so often that its depth of meaning can be lost. So, as I do for a lot of important things, I go back to the term and and I go to the dictionary, or more importantly, dictionary.com, And this is the way that the word love is defined, an intense feeling of deep affection, right? An intense, you you can feel, right? An intense feeling of deep affection 
and a great interest and pleasure in something, right? Now, just leave that up there, right? The key words there, right? Intense feeling, deep affection, great interest and pleasure in something, right? Even in its definition, the word love, you can see that it has many different levels and layers. When you love something or someone, you have an intense feeling of deep affection towards him or her or that, or you have a great interest and pleasure in that thing. But what's hard is it's still vague. The definition is still vague because I can say, I love my wife and children. And in the same sentence, I can say, I love KFC. And I'm using the same word. But they can mean very different things. Not for me, in those two sentences. Very similar, actually. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Man, I love the holidays. Is so different to I love my mum. You know? I'm passionate about sport compared to I'm passionate about living. Right? And that's the hard thing about the use of the word love. It's used too widely. Right? God created us to love. Right? When God created you, when he put your DNA together, right, within all of that is love. Right? And, th- and there's a whole theological idea of, of why that's the case, because God is love and we're created in God's image. Therefore, if you photocopy God and you got us, then the, then the love that is God would be in us. But God created us to love. And, and can I say this? God created us to love our families as well as to love ice cream and Doritos. Because a lot of people then go, well, what's the right version of love? And the answer is yes. It's all. It's all of the above. Because you can genuinely love your family and you can genuinely love Doritos, right? Cheezels, you know, prawn crackers, whatever it is that you love, right? It's because that's the way God created us. He created us so that we can show intense feeling of deep affection towards our family, but also towards our favorite sports teams. I don't know if there's any keen sports people out there, but people can get really passionate about their sports teams. I've been told this year, not this year, I've been told someone, I'm not going to name who they are, they drew a pie graph for me to show me that all of the examples that I use in my sermons lie in three areas. Food, exercise, and sport. Was that right, Pastor May? <laughs> it wasn't Pastor May joke, guys. Family, yeah, gym and food and health, and sport. So I've decided, 
Maccas is a separate category. So I've decided this year, I'm, I'm going to try to expand my horizon and use examples, different, different versions of examples, right? Has anyone ever climbed a mountain? Right? No, right? That's why I don't use the example of mountains. Okay, let's go back to family food and exercise, okay? See, do you see why I only use three examples? Doesn't make sense, right? Anyway, God inside of us, inside of us, we, we are designed to love. We are designed to have great interest. We are designed to have great pleasure in all areas of our lives. Yes, love is broad, but that's the way God intended it. Now, this is what we, where we want to land today. God has created us to live a life that loves above and beyond. The greatest commandment that God gives to us comes from Mark 12, 30 to 31. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these See, the problem is, the problem is that, that, that we face is that we have become numb or we've become a little bit flatline, a little bit flat, a little bit dull in the way we live our lives, especially around love. Um, Last week, we talked about what it would mean to love God in the same way that God loved us. Because the bottom line is God does not just tolerate you. you sometimes, in, in our bluntness or our numbness, love has become tolerance. I tolerate you, whereas it really should be I love you. Um, if, if we... <laughs> Can I say, if we loved God, even a, a smidgen of the way God loved us, that would be loving above and beyond. That's what it means to love God above and beyond. It's that we would give him everything because he has given us his best. So tonight we're going to look at this idea. What does it mean to live a life? of loving above and beyond. And I hope that through this sermon that you'll live tonight, number one, firstly, that you'd, you'd have a little bit of fire because I think, you know, love is, love is passionate, you know. Love, there's meant to be fire, you know. I still remember oh, one of the best stories that I ever told was the first time I went to um, Hurricane's Barbecue Grill and I remember when I first told this story, the sales of hurricanes went up the next day from church members. I still remember, I, I, was, I was like 19 years old in uni, the original one in Bondi, when it was only in Bondi, where you had to line up 45 minutes and they introduced me to a full rack of barbecue pork ribs. Can I just say, I love my children. But I also on that day, learned what real love was. I fell, I fell in love with those. Oh. 
You know, like, you know what, but you know what, you know what's sad? That was nearly 20 years ago. There was a time, right? And let me show you how sad life can become. Someone, someone invited me to go eat barbecue ribs. And I said, no. I'm just confessing my sin to you all. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm really tired. Later that night, I was thinking, what's wrong with you? That's what happens with love. It's meant to be heightened emotion, passionate, deep affection, great pleasure. But after some time, instead of experiencing the highs and the lows, we just settle for average. And I'm telling you, that's not what God wants. God does not want you to live a vanilla love life, whether that be in your marriage, whether that be just in the things that God gives to you. God wants you to live a life that loves above and beyond, to experience that. Okay, so why? why? The Bible tells us, right? The Bible tells us that there are three groups of people that we're commanded to love, Okay. Number one, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We see this in uh, 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Is that if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So the first group of people that God tells us to love is our family, our Christian family. And, and, and I love it. It doesn't say, hey, just go and love them, be nice. But it gives us the extent of this love. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, a lot of us will go, well, that's, that's a little bit extreme. But then you read the sentence before that. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So not only do we have the commandment to love our brothers and sisters, but we have the example and the motivation and the reason why that we're meant to love the way that Jesus loved us as he died on the cross for us, God calls us to love our spiritual siblings. Secondly, God calls us to love our neighbors. That verse, once again in Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the question is, well, who is my neighbor? And actually in the New Testament, Someone asked Jesus this question, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is the neighbor that I'm meant to love? And then Jesus tells the famous story of the Good Samaritan and teaches that the neighbor, the neighbor that you're called to love is not the person that's exactly like you or the person that you necessarily like or want to hang out with, but the neighbor is the person that is in need. That's who your neighbor is. And that's who we're called to love, regardless of culture, ethnicity, socio-demographics, occupation, bank account, looks, age. Regardless of all of that, that's our neighbor. 
That's who we're meant to love. Thirdly, Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Luke 6, 32 to 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. God calls us not just to love our brothers and sisters, not just our neighbors, but this sounds, it sounds pretty extreme, but he's actually calling us to love our enemies. See, in each of these groups, our, our, our spiritual siblings, our neighbors, and our enemies, God calls us to love them, but not just to love them, but to love them at his definition of love, which is to love above and beyond. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We are called not to find a neighbor just like us, but we need to learn to be a good neighbor to anyone around us. And we're called to love our enemies because what's the point of loving someone that loves you already? See, God is already stretching our, our minds in this understanding of what love is and the depth of our love. But there's one story in Scripture that I believe that stands out when we talk about what does it mean to love above and beyond. And it actually comes from John chapter 13. Now, to set the scene, Jesus, the Son of God, is on a mission to save the world. And, and, and he, when he enters into ministry, he handpicks 12 young men to come with him as a team, to travel together, to eat together, to do ministry to, together. And for three years, right, three years, they, they do everything together, right? I, someone said, you know, like we love going to camp because you get to spend three days together and you get to know people really well. Well, imagine if, you, if camp was three years long right? You really get to know people, right? Jesus is doing ministry with them every day. They're eating together. They're bunking together for three years. So, so the assumption is that this group of guys, the 12 disciples and Jesus himself, they're going to be tight, like real tight. Jesus, the, the, John 13 is the scene of, of what we know as the Last Supper. And the Last Supper is when Jesus and the 12 disciples are sitting there sharing the last meal. And it's called the Last Supper because it's the last time that these 13 people will sit down and have a meal together before Jesus dies on the cross. And so we begin the story, John 13, 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's the scene, right? They're eating, right? And we're not talking like tables and chairs. We're talking like low tables and lounges. They're all sort of lounging around. This is, you know, old Middle Eastern eating. And Jesus knows in his mind that this is the last meal, the last supper that he's going to have with these 12 young men that he's had with for three years. 
And it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And what he was about to do was his last act of love towards these men. Uh, Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Right? So this is weird, right? It's a weird scene. Everyone's eating. Jesus gets up. You know, Jesus is at least sort of 10, 10 years older than these guys. He gets up in the middle of a meal, takes off his jacket, gets on his knees, and starts to wash the feet of his 12 disciples. Now, let's put this in a bit of context, right? In Jesus' day, the washing of feet was a common act, but was an act that was uh, reserved for the slave, and not just the slave, but it was the lowest that a slave could do. We have socks and shoes, and our feet still get dirty. Imagine back in the day where all they wore on their feet were Havianas, right? It would have been a lot cheaper back then. You can imagine, right? We're walking on carpet, pavement, roads. They're walking on dirt. They're walking on, you know, there's animals walking around. There's animals just like, you know, weeing and pooing everywhere. And, and they're just walking on these roads. They're walking on garden beds. You can imagine how filthy the, shoe, the, the feet would get. And Jesus gets down on his knees. Jesus, the Son of God, their teacher, their leader, gets on his knees and washes the feet of these 12 young men. This is unheard of. If you've gone to church for long enough, you've probably been to a church camp where this is one of the activities. Can I tell you, it has got to be one of the most awkward, 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 awkward experiences. I remember uh, it's happened a few times in my life. The first time was, I think I was in year nine, year eight. So I would have been 13, 14. And you can imagine how dirty 13, 14. You know, like, you know when we go to camp? You know now, like you shower every day. When you're 13, 14, when you go to camp, you don't shower. That's a waste of time. You shower when you get home, right? And then suddenly on the last night, they go, you know, all all the students, you know, please sit down. And then these teachers, like my teachers, right? 30, 40, 50-year-old parents of my friends, they're, they're like, you know, take your shoes and socks off. Because we're gonna, we want to show you how much we love you and we're going to wash your feet. And I was like, what is going on here? It was one of the most awkward and weird experiences in my life. You know why? Because it's not natural. It's not natural. Right? Like, if I said to my son, who's here today, hence... My jokes have, have you noticed my jokes have gotten a little bit 
rounder these days. It's because my son's here. Um, if I said to my son, son, I raised you, I fed you, I clothed you, I pay for everything. Wash my feet. Can I tell you, it would not be awkward at all. In a sense, I'd feel very entitled. <laughs> it's part of his job, right? But these people that are older than me, they've got no reason to, to wash my feet. Slave act. And I remember at the beginning when this was happening, because I was young, I was like sick. I'm going to wash my feet. That's awesome. My feet are dirty. <laughs> And then as I got closer and closer, I started to realize the, the magnitude of this. And I thought, oh, my God, like, who am I? Who am I that this 50-year-old man is going to wash my feet? I'm like, no, 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 I don't, not happening. And it became so awkward. And so, like, the line kept going, and I kept going to the back of the line, right? And then finally, like, that, I, was the, I was the back of the line. And, and my teacher got me, and I was such a punk to my teacher. And he was like, he, sit, he sits me down, he's on his knees, the, the basin's there, and he's looking at me and goes, Steve, I, I love you. And I just lost it. I could not believe this man, who was the age of my father, was on his knees and going to wash my feet. And can I tell you the worst thing? You know there's two ways to wash feet? There's the golf clap way where you just put a little bit of water and you sort of rub the top bit? <laughs> well, there's a second way. It's the I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean you so you can go to heaven way, right? It, it's in between your toes clean, like deep cleansing clean, right? Like you can feel, like you, I, you can feel it, right? He got in there. He really got in there, right? And I was bawling. Because I really, and I genuinely felt that this guy, he loved me. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, would do the same for his disciples. You know what the crazy thing is? Out of those 12 disciples, he already knew one of them was going to sell him out for 30 silver pieces. You think that he was like 11 and not you. Because you don't deserve it, you little punk. You know? But not only, not only did, you know, not only the guy that sold him out, right? What about Peter? Peter, the, the disciple Peter, who was meant to be the leader of the group, right? I'm going to follow you to the day I die. And then this little girl goes, hey, you were with that guy Jesus. And Peter's like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> And runs away. The night that Jesus was captured, all the disciples dispersed. After three years, where's the loyalty, right? Jesus knew all of this and yet got in, got deep, and he loved them. This is what love above and beyond is all about. John 13, story continues. Jesus then says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly, I tell you, no no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus did not only do this to show his love for them, but he also did this to show an example to them. And what he said was this, this is the way I want you to love. This is the way. This is what it means to love above and beyond, is to lay down your life, is to get on your knees and wash the dirtiest part of that person's body. Whether it be our brothers and sisters' church, whether it be our neighbor on the street, whether it be even our enemy, Jesus gives to us not bare minimum love, But what he gives to us is love that's above and beyond. See, I believe that this is the whole goal of what God is trying to say to us as we begin 2021, is to stop living bare minimum. And in the context of today, is to stop loving bare minimum. You know, whether it be in our church, you come, Hey, brother, you only say that because you don't know what their name is. Be honest. Hey, sister, shalom, peace be with you. You know why you say that? Because you don't know what they did last week. We don't know how to go beyond just the superficial. And you've got to ask yourself, is that love bare minimum? Or is that love above and beyond? I believe God is calling us out, our church, firstly, out of living a life that loves bare minimum. There are so many examples of this. And I really, and I I had a really great time uh, in preparation just thinking about the seven or eight years of our church here and just so many different acts of love. So many, and can I say, so many different acts of sacrificial love. I'll just name a few real quick ones, and I won't name people's names because that's embarrassing. Um, uh, we have families that 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 have kids, and and you know some families are blessed because they have, um, you know, parents like us. I'm so grateful. You know, I'm pretty sure mom and dad are watching this live stream if they've worked out how their phone works. I love you. Thank you for watching our children all the time. But, but some of our families don't. And I remember hearing this story of a, a, a family um, who had a, a, a young child and, and, and they didn't have any support from any other family. And one of our other families who had children of their own, they actually offered, hey, do you, we will babysit your kid so that you and your husband or you know you and your your, your you know your your spouse can go and have a night off now you, you just go oh well, that's you know that happens all the time it doesn't you know they they got their own kids to look after and yet they would go above and beyond can i just say that's love above and beyond another example is um uh, you know, our, our church, everyone's got finances in their family. Same with our church. 
And, uh, you know, we, we always just say, hey, you give to God what, what, what honors God, whether that be a 10% tithe, whether that's just generosity out of your heart. And I remember this kid, he started his work and uh, he, he finished uni and he was, you know, he was living at home, you know. And, and I remember he was telling me, and he goes, Steve, oh, he was young, so he said, Pastor Stephen. <laughs> oh, holy reverend Pastor Stephen. He goes, because the week before I shared, hey, guys, you know, financially we're sort of, you know, we're living on the edge. And I remember he came to me, and he was, he was a young Christian, and he said, is it okay? Is it okay to tithe 20%? And I was like, technically, that's not tithe, because tithe just means 10%. <laughs> but I said, you could give 20%. You know what? No one will ever hear about that story. No one, you know, that person, that, they're not going to get like, you know, an award for that. But I know that that was love for our community above and beyond. They didn't need to do that, but they did. Um, so seriously, I, I, there were so many. There's this one guy. Um, man, he, he had a big car, right? Biggest car in our church. Every time someone needed to go to the airport, including myself, we'd always call this guy, hey, can you take us to the airport? And... He would say yes every time. And he'd come, he'd give you the full service, he'd be there early except one time when I had to call him. <laughs> Just that one time I nearly missed my flight because of him. <laughs> you know, and I heard, you know, I heard so many stories. How did you get back from the airport? Oh, this guy drove me. This guy picked me up. Right? That's love. Above and beyond. Now, I, I tell you these stories because I know sometimes when we think love above and beyond, we think of stories like, and then I gave my kidney. You know, that's like, that's love and above and beyond. And anything less than that is not love above and beyond. No, love above and beyond is anything more than what is just bare minimum. So many stories. One of the earliest stories, oh, I wasn't going to share this one. One of the earliest stories, this is like 15 years ago. And I can tell this story because um, this, this sister of ours doesn't come to our church anymore. Right? Um, oh, I don't know what order it was. I think her, her father passed away um, kind of quite suddenly. And, and she was living with her mum. And, you know, she was just a student. And she had recently got her, her driver's license. And um, on a rainy Sunday morning, she decided that it'd be a great day to smash her car, right? <laughs> so some of these guys, they're, they're smiling, right? So she comes to church and she, she doesn't know what to do. The excess to fix the car is $1,000. Now, she's a, a poor you know, uni student living with now a single mum, and a mum she had to support, right? And I remember she came to church, and she was like, I don't know what to do. It's like, she was like, I need to get a loan. You know, like, for, you know, a lot of us, a thousand bucks is, 
well, it's still a lot of money, but, you know, not, not enough to go and get a loan. Anyway, I remember back in the day, our church, 15 years ago, everyone was like a uni student, right? No one really had full-time jobs or anything. And, and you know, we got together and said, hey, we need, we need a supporter. Let's, let's support her. Let's, let's get the money. And so we did. It's crazy. Like if that equivalent was today, that would be like raising like $100,000 in our church. That was a lot of money. And I remember when we're handing it over, oh, she, was, she lost her mind. That's love above and beyond. I want to share three stories with you outside of our church that I thought were really nice um, examples of love and loving above and beyond. Firstly, um, sacrificial love. Uh, years ago, years ago, I'm just reading these stories, I didn't make them up. A young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales in Europe, carrying her tiny baby in her arms when she was overtaken by a blinding blizzard, a snowstorm. Now, she never reached her destination, and when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searchers underneath a mold of a mound of snow, but they had discovered, sadly, that she had died. But before she had died, she had taken off all of her outer clothing and wrapped it around her baby, and when they unwrapped the child... To their great surprise and joy, the baby was found alive and well. The mother had molded her body around her child and ultimately given her life for her child, proving the depths of her love. Years later, that child named David Lloyd George ended up becoming the Prime Minister of England, and without a doubt, one of England's greatest statesmen. That's love above and beyond. Second story, a man named Brendan Kelly. Um, there was a, a, a music festival in, in, in Vegas, Route 91 Harvest Music Festival in, in Las Vegas, where when everyone should have been enjoying music, suddenly um, a man uh, from one of the buildings just started shooting bullets upon this festival. This was only a few years ago. And this young lady wrote, before I knew what was going on, a man named Brendan Kelly tackled me to the ground, covered me from the fire. The fire stopped and he looked around to see what was happening and then it just kept going. Later we found out that the man named Brendan Kelly was a US Marine and he had gone above and beyond to, to serve and protect. That it was his blood uh, to put others, uh, others and their lives before his own and during the festival he did that. Not only did he save um, this lady but he was first to help rush her to safety and others. We don't know these people, right? Like that man did not know that lady. And just in that moment, put his life, pretty much put his body as a shield 
for someone that he did not know. That's love above and beyond. Final story. An Armenian nurse had been helped captive along with her brother by the Turks. Her brother was slain by a Turkish soldier before her eyes. Somehow she escaped and later became a nurse in a military hospital. And one day she was stunned to find that the same man who had killed her brother had been captured and brought wounded to the hospital where she worked. Something within her cried vengeance and revenge. But a stronger voice called for her to love. So she nursed the man back to health. Finally, the recuperating soldier asked her, why didn't you let me die? And her answer was, I'm a follower of him who said, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. That's love above and beyond. Friends, life's really short. Like no one has any guarantees of what you have. I know we make plans. But life is short. And I believe that God wants us to remind ourselves today in the same way that he doesn't want you to just live a life of existence. Like don't just exist for the next week doing what you need to do, ticking off the boxes and living your obligation to life, but to live it to the fullest. And I believe that God is calling us to do the same in the way that we love. Whether it's loving God whether it's loving each other, whether it's loving our neighbor, or even loving our enemies. God has created you to love, but not bare minimum, but to love above and beyond. And that can look different for you. That can look different for each person in their own situation. But ultimately, it's saying, I'm intentionally going to make a difference in the way that I love this week. I'm intentionally going to think about, well, if I'm going to have a meal with this person, the way that I speak to them, I'm going to love them through the way I speak. I know that this person, their love language is gifts. And so while I'm shopping in my mind, I'm going to think about what I can get this person. And it doesn't have to be a reason. It's just we're called to love beyond the minimum. Because that's the way God made you. And secondly, that's the way God loved you. He died on the cross. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. To save you from your sin. To give you eternity in heaven. Something that you, could, you are powerless. I reckon when, when God looks down on us, and we struggle to love people, or we love people to the bare minimum. Oh, and God kind of scratches in and goes, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure that's not the love that I defined. 
The way that God loved us was, was extravagant. And I believe that God is calling us to love extravagantly as well. So I want you to take a moment to think. What would it mean for you to choose to live a life that loves, but not just bare minimum love, but loves above and beyond? What would that look for you? Maybe it's going to reach out to someone. Maybe it's to go above and beyond what you would normally do. You know, maybe it's to you know, give someone with a gift or, or time or an act of service. Like, if you want to love me, I'll take free babysitting any day of the week. Any day of the week. Right? But what loving above and beyond is to be intentionally doing something about it, to be proactive. Not like, hey, it's your birthday, right? I love this, right? Happy birthday. You only know because the Facebook told you it was that person's birthday, right? That's not intentional. You didn't know that it was that person's birthday, right? To love above and beyond is to be intentional, purposeful, and proactive. So what would that look like for you? What would that look like that for you? If we had life groups this week, that's what we would talk about. What would you do this week? as an act of love that is above and beyond. And I want to just finish with this. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to say this or not, but I will finish with this. One of the most ultimate acts of love, one of the most ultimate acts of love, loving above and beyond, is actually forgiveness. It's one of the hardest acts of love. But one of the most ultimate acts of love above and beyond is to be able to forgive someone that has wronged you. Now, whether they know it or not is irrelevant. But if you want to start to learn what it means to love like God loved you, if you're at that level, maybe you need to. Maybe you need to be thinking forgiveness whoever that might be. And I just add that. It might not be for everyone, but I think it's for someone. Friends, love like eagles love. (laughs) Don't love like chickens. Don't love like the world loves. Love like God loves. Real love. Deep love. The lay down your life type of love. And I pray that we as a community would be that kind of church. Let's pray. As we take a moment to just consider God's word in our lives, take a moment to think about your life and ask yourself, is the way that I love, is the way that I relate, is the way that I serve bare minimum Or would I say that is above and beyond? Do I say hi because I have to or because I want to?
Do I give gifts because I have to or because I want to? Do I sacrifice because I have to or because I want to? Love that is above and beyond is a proactive, intentional, purpose-filled love. A love that says, I want to love. And Jesus says, lay down your life. That's the extent of love. Lay it down because I laid down my life for you. So take a moment to consider where you sit in your life as you're reminded of how much God loves you and the way he loved you. What would it mean to translate that into your life? Who, who needs some of that love from you this week? So let's take a moment to consider those things. Go to God in prayer. Ask him to show you, help you. Let's pray.